G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There's a lot of things to make sense of, isn't there, as we navigate our way forward into the great unknown, which we might say the year 2021. For many of us, the holidays are over, the kids are back at school, and now we're adjusting to the new normal that we were talking about was coming last year. Well, so many of us made resolutions uh, with some conviction about resetting direction on how we might move on from the challenges of the past year. And for some, it's meant a deeper rethink of what's important, whether it's around our work, whether it's our families, whether it's our commitment to serve God through our local church. Well, the world has changed. There's a new leader of the free world in U.S. President Joe Biden Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic, it's not gone anywhere. In fact, things could be getting worse. It continues around the world. Vaccinations offering some level of hope. Now, you won't be able to travel anywhere anytime soon overseas. Free speech is gone as big tech has shown that it censors conservative thinking. At home, our economy is making a comeback. Perhaps that's a glimmer of light. And we're scrambling to make up some lost ground, especially in the lives of our local churches, where some have flourished and others have suffered. And I hope we'll get to give some attention to our local churches in our conversation as this gets underway from now through this next hour. So as a Christian, how do we see the year ahead? And are there some things to approach with caution as we make our plans? Our special guest through this coming hour, David Robertson, who is director of what's called The Third Space, a project of City Bible Forum in Australia. He originates from Scotland and writes for newspapers, magazines. He's the author of a number of books, including The Dawkins Letters and Engaging with Atheists. And David Robertson joins us as our guest through this hour. David, a special welcome back to 2020. Well, it's great to be back in 2021. (laughs) David, always love your insights. I suspect uh, we're in for some challenging thoughts on some of the issues that we'll tackle through this coming hour. But let's start with perhaps a big picture look. The year ahead, as a Christian might see things, there's a certain sense, isn't there, that when you're talking about how Christians see things in the times ahead, there's an extra dimension to Christian thinking about what seems to be happening in the headlines. What are your thoughts, a big picture outlook for the year ahead? Well, I think it's really important for us to get the big picture um, because the, the pictures that we often see are are quite small and yet are overwhelming. So for me, the absolute big picture is nothing that happened in 2020 surprised God. You know, um, and in fact, there's a sense in which for the Western world, 2020 was a return to a more normal world in that the world has, since the fall of Adam, always been, you know, had plagues and various other things. So I think, we're, you know, just overall, we need to be aware of the sovereignty of God. We also need to be aware of the importance of the church. And I think we also need to be aware 
that um, was, I think, in, in that hymn, you know, change and decay and all around I see, or, or thou who changest not abide with me. And, you know, so I go into this year actually with a great deal of hope and optimism. But I think it is going to be a tough year too. Interestingly, talking about Christians having hope and optimism, I picked up a wonderful little thought just the other day with the idea of that scripture we'd read in Romans, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And uh, the thing I picked up in that was because we know that God is working things together for good, we can never really claim to be a victim because sometimes uh, there's a certain victimhood in the way that people present themselves today, but a Christian can never claim that because we know that God is working all things together for good. Any thoughts around the idea that this hope and this optimism that we can have as Christian believers takes us above some of that fray? Uh, I think there's a little bit of truth in that, but I think it can be overstretched. So, yes, you can be a victim. So if I went out just now and someone came up and hit me over the head, I'm a victim. You know, um, I think Christ dying on the cross was a victim, using victim in that sense. I think what we cannot be is ultimate losers. You know, that the scripture says we are more than conquerors. But I do think we can be victims, yes. I, 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 I think not to the extent that we live in a victim culture where everything that happens to us, oh, this is because we are victims. But I think on balance, yes, there are things that can happen to us that... Um, are are because we we are being victimized that definitely does happen okay all right uh, let's talk about the big picture again the world has changed uh joe biden the new leader of the free world uh big changes have happened and some people and you might even pick this up in the mainstream media people thinking of this is a bit of a relief that things sort of move back to what they thought was normality just like the obama era any thoughts around Joe Biden, the new leader of the free world? Well, uh, first of all, you know, I wish him well. Uh, we pray for him. Um, I'm, I'm not prepared to call him the new leader of the free world. I think America is largely losing its role as the leader of the free world. Um, I, I think America's in a bit of a mess, to be honest. I, I wish him well, but I don't think he's had that great a start. I think there are two concerns for me. Number one, the extent to which he was welcomed as some kind of savior. Now, I saw over the weekend, and this is uh, mainstream journalism, people talking about him as Moses, talking about him as the hope of the Western world, talking about him as the one who's going to bring peace, talking about he's the light of the world. I mean, I feel sorry for him because the level of expectation is ridiculous. It's worse than Obama. Um, so I, I'm very wary about that. But the other thing that's happened is um, I'm very, very concerned about Biden. I'm not sure uh, in terms of his age and his, his mental faculties where he's at. The agenda, he talks about healing and unity, which is wonderful. I mean, these are great words, but his actions will, will no, you shall know them by their fruits. And already he said that he's going to impose abortion on third world countries if people want American aid. He has... Uh, the most significant thing that I think he's done and probably will do is, in my view, he's effectively abolished women's sport and to some degree abolished women uh, as a category by saying uh, uh, all the stuff that he's had to do with transgender. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, 
I'm not hopeful in that regard. And I think the church in America is in for a hard time. And some of it, to be honest, it seems a little bit deserved because the church, not not all Christians, but a significant number, threw themselves very much behind Donald Trump as being the Lord's anointed, which he wasn't. Now there are people throwing, saying that Biden is the Lord's anointed, which he isn't. And uh, I, I, I think this is going to be really, really interesting. I wish him well. I, I hope that there will be peace, but um, I suspect he's going to go back to an old policy, what we called the neoliberal policy. I would be, Donald Trump did not get involved in one war in his whole time. That was one thing for me that was very good for him. I think Donald Trump, um, President Biden has already said he's reviewing American, the withdrawal of American troops from Iraq. And it appears to me that we're going to go back to America being at war in the Middle East. I hope that's not true, but that would be my instinct of where all this is going. Always interested in this idea, and you'll pick this up in conversations everywhere, that Australians seem to be more across American politics, and perhaps we uh, would either blame or uh, or think that uh, Donald Trump had something to do with that, uh, but people are across American politics more than they are, are, are Australian politics. And so this overflow of what has happened in the US, uh, Joe Biden, now the new president, uh, how do you think, David, there might be an effect on our own thinking, our own politics here in Australia as a result of what's happened in the US? I, I think there's a particular reason for it. I think that the media are interested the most in Australian politics because uh, 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 sorry, in American politics because America is the media capital of the world and you know um, you know uh, let me just give you a couple of examples I think that are really important Um, we had the Capitol Hill riots and you know we heard that for endless days here now five people were killed they were serious it was uh, uh, ridiculous thing um the same when we had the antifa and the black lives matter riots i think over 50 people were killed in those but there's a church in ethiopia which it's widely reported now um from very good sources that 750 people were killed in that church uh, a couple of weeks ago and it hardly gets a mention on the news so if one person gets killed in america and it's perceived to be a political thing, then we'll have endless discussions here. I mean, even on Australian television, we've had discussion about Camilla Harris's shoes. I just don't care. But 750 people get killed in Ethiopia. 2,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. Um, You know, what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims in China? I, I think we need to move away, as Christians, we need to move away from this obsession which I think it's the triviality often of American politics. And Australia absolutely must not mimic American politics. We should have our own politics, our own way of doing things. I, I personally find it astonishing that I'm hearing people say, because Joe Biden says or does this, then Scott Morrison will have to do that. And I'm, I'm saying, no, Australia, we're coming towards Australia Day, or as the ABC would have it, Invasion Day. Uh-huh. Um, uh, my view would be that that it's independence. You know, Australia needs to act as an independent nation and needs to look. I, I think it's more important what Xi Jinping does than what Joe Biden will do. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020.
on Vision. Our special guest this hour is David Robertson. He's the director of what's called The Third Space, a project of City Bible Forum in Australia. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the way a Christian sees the year ahead. 1-800-316-316. You can respond to our Facebook question today. You'll find that facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question today asking, as a Christian, how do you see the world changing this year. Well, let's take a call before we move on in the conversation. Nigel is on the line in Queensland. Hello, Nigel. Welcome along. Hello, brother. How are you? Very well. Nigel, what are your thoughts about seeing the world this year or seeing Australia? Any thoughts? Well, I'm uh, I'm currently like reading and studying the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and what he said will will happen in the world before he can come. And as far as I can see, it's all on track for the coming of Jesus. Um, when I say that, it's because of the role America plays in the politics of the world and the world unrest at the moment. And the thing called the, uh, I think it's called the Great Reset in Rome. I'm not sure if I've got the wording right. Yep. Uh, where the Pope's organised that. Um, so I'm not sure I the Pope organised that whole issue around the Great Reset, but that certainly is an issue that is being developed by the World Economic Forum. But let's get a thought uh, or two from our guest here, uh, David Robertson. David, you know, we've got a lot of listeners who undoubtedly will be looking at those sorts of uh, things that come from the Bible, the book of Revelation, as Nigel says. What are your thoughts for Nigel and his, uh, his outlook? Yeah, I think Nigel is right that Jesus says, you know, there'll be wars and rumors of wars, um, and, you know, iniquity will increase and so on. But he also says that the gospel will be preached in all nations. And I think what what is the amazing thing is the fulfillment of that prophecy, that there isn't a single nation in the world where the gospel has not or is not being preached today, which I think is wonderful. I think we need to be a little bit careful about kind of pronouncing or suggesting that um, Jesus will return soon. I mean, my view is that I wish he would, and I think we should be crying, Mar- Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But for centuries, people have been saying, you know, Nero was the Antichrist, or Napoleon, or, you know, nowadays people say things like, ridiculous things like Bill Gates, or Obama, or whatever. Um, I-, I just think that we don't know. Jesus didn't know when he would return. We don't know when he's going to return. We just know that he is going to return. And I would suggest that, um, for me personally, now would be as good a time as any. Okay, Nigel, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's hear from Daniel in rural Victoria. Hi, Daniel. Welcome along. G'day, mate. G'day to you. G'day. I just have a couple of points. Um, you said that you know the majority of, um, of people... Um, from from my perspective and the people I talk about in the rural sector, they don't really give two hoots about what's going on in a, in America. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's it's like why do I need to know about all their politics and all their biases and things like that? Let's just deal with Australia. And so, I find it interesting when when, when you said that 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 was the perception that that goes on about you know what people think. Um, yeah. 
perception and we hear is that a lot in the news where the news does that as well. Oh well, the majority of people, and then when you talk to people after things happen, they go, "No, I didn't believe that. I didn't want that. I didn't want that." And you never come across a person who wanted it, but they've actually promoted that thought by telling people what. They were going to think. Good thoughts, Daniel. Uh, you know, we can't always trust what the media says because there's somebody in the media, uh, whether it's a producer or whether it's the presenter, who are actually saying this is what everybody believes, but that's not necessarily the, the case. Uh, a thought or two from David? Yeah, listen, Daniel, I'm with you all the way, and that's what I was trying to say, mate. Honestly, uh, uh, I think what, what I said was the majority of people in the media, it's almost sometimes as though they live in this little bubble that I could even tell you the area of Sydney where, you know, and it's, it's for them, it's more important, it's more interesting what happens in the US. But I think you're right. I think the majority of, of normal people, you know, rural Victoria or Queensland or, uh, you know, just all over the place in Sydney here, everywhere. It, it's not, it doesn't really mean that much to us. Now, America is important. Of course, it's important. It affects us in different ways. But so do many other things. And I don't want, and I'm pretty sure you agree with this, I don't want American politics and all the cultural obsessions they have imported here. But that is what's happening in much of our mainstream media. Thank you so much to Daniel for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. David is on the line in Melbourne. Hello, David. Welcome. Hi. Thanks very much for taking my call. What are your thoughts, David? Uh, I, I think um, it would be good to focus on the fact that Jesus said that he didn't know himself when he was returning. And in Acts, it says, nor should we speculate on these things. Like, you know, it's unknown. So rather than focusing on that, we we probably ought to be focusing on uh, what we're commanded to do in the, in the meantime, um, you know, which is... Um, proclaiming the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, occupy till he comes. Uh, your thoughts, David Robertson? Yeah, that, that's precisely what I'm saying. I think that you're right. We don't know when Jesus is going to return, but there's, there's an old Bob Dylan song about, are you ready? You know, And we've got to be ready for Jesus' return because he'll come at an hour we do not expect him. That's what the scripture says. And And what does he call us to do? He calls us to live for him. He calls us to serve him. He calls us to proclaim him. And we have great news for the world. You know, I, I often think of this. I was thinking this a lot in 2020 with COVID and the vaccine and everything else. There's a far greater illness affecting the world, and that is human sinfulness. And we've already got the vaccine for that. And so I, for us as Christians, we have to live. I think we have to live as though Christ were coming tomorrow. But we, we have to proclaim Christ until he comes. And, you know, we take the Lord's Supper, for example, it says, until he comes. And I think it's always until he returns. But we're not going saying, okay, we definitely know Jesus is coming tomorrow morning, and therefore, you know, we're not doing this or we're not doing that. The Lord could come tomorrow. He could come in a thousand years. He could come in 10,000 years. We don't know. He didn't know. But you're right. We live for him while we can. Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much, David, from Melbourne. And just to just to pause a moment here, because when we talk about what Christians are called to do, being salt and light or evangelism, and uh, this idea that uh, you've got uh, a poison and there is a vaccination, there's a pandemic and there is a vaccination, and that aligned with our 
Christian message, this message of the gospel, a powerful one to pick up on, just how understanding the uh, the powerful thing about evangelism is to be and uh, something that we can draw on there, David. Absolutely. And, and I think evangelism simply means good news. We've got good news. You know, I mean, can you imagine if I was working in, you know, a university in Melbourne or something and I discovered a, a simple cure-all for COVID that worked 100% every time and was immediately effective. That would be great news. We'd be, we'd be sharing it all over the place. Well, as Christians, we've got great news. And, and I think sometimes there's a tendency for us to go, oh, the world's, you know, go into the dogs, et cetera, et cetera. Things are bad. And we forget that we as Christians, actually the world is worse than we think it is, but the good news is better than we think it is as well. And, and, and I think that there's a danger, there's a danger that we, we don't adequately grasp what's going on in the world, but there's a danger that we get overwhelmed. And have you noticed this with the media? This is a very interesting thing. Um, I've noticed that when lots of people were dying, the numbers were flashed up on our screens. And, you know, if, if uh, I mean, I haven't actually seen the figures today, but the past few days in New South Wales, it's been zero community cases for the past week. And, do you know, this? if there were 10 community cases, it would be headline news. But the fact that there haven't been any, it's as, it's as though the media are not interested in good news. Whereas we as Christians, I think we've, we've got to be careful not to fall into that trap of, of saying things are bad, bad, bad all the time and not realizing that we've actually come with incredibly good news. So our message of good news is like an antidote to a yeah. pandemic that is sweeping the world and has been sweeping the world. Um, often reminded of a saying that I think is attributed to Jordan Peterson, who says life is a uh, an incurable disease or life is... Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to die from it. And uh, and so there is a antidote, a message of the gospel, which becomes an antidote to the pandemic of sinful nature. Uh, so powerful thoughts in that. Let's continue to take some calls. Uh, Tracy is on the line from Dolby in Queensland. Hi, Tracy. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very good. What are your thoughts? Um, about the transgender thing, you know, I mean, it's shocking as it is that it's come to this and ministers and counsellors and doctors are, you know, being in awful situations. I mean, it just shows me it's just paving the way for the Antichrist. And, I mean, as awful as it is, it's a good thing that's coming because it's a step closer to Jesus' return, you know? Well, as we heard in our conversation with Martin Isles, All Eyes next Tuesday was will be on Victoria and how they deal with this uh, bill that is uh, around conversion therapy. And uh, uh, David Robertson, there are some big significant things coming, uh, the idea of criminalising Christian prayer and uh, those who might give any level of counsel for someone who is in this sort of transgender camp or thinking of moving that way. Any thoughts for Tracy? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tracy, hi, by the way. Um, th- th- there's many, many things there. I, I think it is difficult to underestimate the importance of the whole transgender thing. Because Genesis 1 tells us that in the beginning, you know, God made us male and female. And it's as though mankind now is trying to deconstruct that. And yes. I, 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 th- there's a, th- I, I, regard, I do regard this as... Um, a demonic attack. Now, I need to be really careful here. I don't mean transgender people. I've In my church back in Scotland, 
we did have people who suffered from gender dysphoria. They were struggling with things. But also, I need to say that I had people who who had gone transgender because of the pressure. You talk about conversion therapy, because of the pressure from YouTube and various other things. And also, to be honest, counselors and others who were telling them, well, maybe you're depressed because you're trapped in the wrong body. And the harm that that's done, I regard that as child abuse. I think I'm not aware of anyone in Australia practicing what is called conversion therapy. And I think it's a bit of a red herring by Dan Andrews. And I, I, I agree with Martin Isles completely. I think there's an enormous danger that this could be used to prosecute people like me who, yes, if someone came to me and said, look, I'm really struggling with my feelings. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, male, but I feel that I'm female. I, I, can you pray for me? Of course I could. But if Dan Andrews' new bill gets passed, I'd be breaking the law. And okay. I think that would be an astonishing step to take. David Robertson, let's continue to take some calls, I think, and listeners uh, setting the agenda of what we're talking about today. Let's hear from Mike in Launceston in Tasmania. Hello, Mike. Welcome along. Oh, yeah, good morning. Uh, the book, the name Genesis in the, in the Bible means beginnings or origins, which I fully endorse. And Charles Darwin's book is called on the origin of the species, so he's got an alternative origin, and which is at the you know, it's caused a few problems in our, in our thinking and, and paradigms. So, it's a contest of a contest of ideas. Uh, that contest of ideas, no doubt, will continue through the coming year and around origins. A thought or two from David Robertson. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the the, the big issue though is going to be what is a human being. Now, as Christians, we believe that human beings are made in the image of God, uh, male and female, everyone. I think if you are an atheist materialist, you're saying, well, we're not really. We're just a you know, a, a sophisticated, evolved ape. And uh, I actually think that um, the question of origins is hugely important. I think the Christian understanding provides a basis for dealing with racism, for creating equality and diversity. I actually think the non-Christian understanding, or particularly the, the, the atheist secularist understanding, doesn't do that. They want the fruit of Christianity, but they're not prepared to accept the root that it comes from. So I think your point is valid, yes. Mike from Launceston, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Before we move on to another call, uh, it is a huge question. And some people would say, well, how can we answer a question like that? What is a human being? Because uh, I think a little earlier, we talked about the idea of abolishing uh, women's sport and the idea of even abolishing women in all of that. So uh, at least half of the listeners to our conversation right now, David, very interested in the idea of how we define what a human being is. And I suspect that our media, that our governments are not even talking about that question. But as a Christian, we see the year ahead and we say that is one of the big questions that has to be resolved because for half the population, all women, they're going to be relying on a good answer for that. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you this, that who would have thought, I'm thinking even just five years ago, who would have thought that you could have a panel of politicians, as happened in the United Kingdom last year, who, when asked what is a woman, were unable to answer? Mm. You, know, you just think, oh, you're kidding me. Come on, guys. And I think that, that there's, a, there's a real problem there. I think that um, uh, I, I find myself very, very much on the side of the feminists who are saying, well, hang on a minute. You know, biological sex does have something to do with being a woman. And, 
you know, what's happened, particularly what's, this is where what's happening in the US is going to make a big impact. And also what's happening with Dan Andrews is going to make a big um, impact, or at least what's happening in Victoria. So yes, I think um, confusion about who we are, uh, and, and it goes beyond the transgender issue as well. I mean, are we just uh, sophisticated computers? Are we just brains in flesh? And there's more, the, Christ, the, the Christian gospel says, no, we're made in the image of God. We're, we, we, have, we have spirits, we you know, all human beings are valuable. And I think we've, we've got a great message to give to people as that regard as well. It's a great message and one we ought to think carefully about because this idea of God creating man and woman in his image uh, as the way that he creates equality there and as you say, as politicians said about a deconstruction of what it is to be a human being, what it is to be a woman, uh, then as Christians what we think is somehow rather simple, God created man and woman in his image, is actually the most profound truth that we can rely on because this is such a powerful truth to be able to stand by and I guess uh, just before we take another call David the idea of of understanding that and being able to introduce that into the conversations you have is going to be one of those important things that we come to this year absolutely and we also need to understand the historical significance of it so for example those Christians who accepted what the Bible said recognized that the indigenous people in Australia were human beings made in the image of God. Those who didn't, those who went along a line of a more social Darwinianism, there are even uh, you know, appalling tales from the 1920s of, of um, scientists coming out to hunt Aboriginal people because they thought they were less than human and wanted to look and see it, how they developed and, and, and all the rest of it. And I think it's the Christian message that we have is that no matter who you are, no matter your race, background, class, status, gender, or so on, you are made in the image of God. And for me, we, we've got the best basis and the best answer for, for a huge number of the problems that our society is going to face in this coming year. Best is not a throwaway word either. This is seriously the case. The best answer when it comes to humanity and womanhood, and as you introduce uh, so powerfully into that, this whole issue of uh, human rights and the equality of uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, because the evidence yeah. for that, of course, is uh, just think of all of those Christian missions that are all around the nation. Think of those as places of refuge, as you say, yeah. rightly so, David, uh, people were hunting Aboriginal people and they found refuge and the church has a powerful foundation for being able to speak into the whole issue around <laughs> reconciliation. Hey, we're into uh, taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Yeah, good old Brother Neil. Is it Brother David? Yes. God bless yep. you both. Yep. Um, look, you. I'm looking for ways to defend myself against... Uh, uh, this politics of fear and politics of the great divide. Um, uh, how do you use the full armour of God, as described in Ephesians, to combat what I call godless communism, ripping countries apart like Australia, the United States and Great Britain, with this constant barrage from the media of wanting to divide everyone for, for corporate greed. How do you use the full armour of God to combat these divisive things? You know, get this awful politics out of schools, 
get it out of homes, let mums and dads be mums and dads. Um, uh, the schools, the home, even sport, it's getting into sport, it's... It's it's destroying every aspect. Steve, great um, great insight there. David, your thoughts, uh, perhaps some practical tips around that armour of God. Sure. Well, it talks, for example, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. So I'd say simply this. Get into the word and you'll realise that it's always been like this. And the politics of fear, perfect love casts out fear. So... You know, we shouldn't be surprised at this. Jesus warned about this. There were terrible things that happened in Jesus' day. There have been terrible things that have happened throughout the whole history of the church. But always, 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 the gates of hell do not prevail against Christ's church. So Christians should not be afraid. Steve, I'm totally with you about how we, you know, we sh- it seems to me that for a lot of people, politics has suddenly become their religion and particularly identity politics. Whereas for us as Christians, our identity is in Christ. We see all human beings as made in the image of God. We want them to know Jesus. We know that that politics is important, but it's not the most important thing. And so I think we can set a good example. I think we need to stand up for what's right and what's true. Earlier, uh, Martin Isles was on, and uh, to me, what they're doing is excellent. But most of all, I just think, you know, in our lives, we need to live for Jesus, and we'll see what a difference that makes. Thank you so much for your call, Steve. 1-800-316-316. We'll take some more calls in just a moment. Just to reflect a, a thought or two coming through on our Facebook post today, the 2020 question there asks, as a Christian, how do you see the world changing this year? Ant says, I expect an increase in persecution, but be of good cheer. Jesus will be there through these times. Katrina says, for the worse with China, Biden at the helm. Uh, Luke says the world is changing and not for the better, unfortunately. Governments are controlling people more and also restricting people in their day-to-day beliefs. Stuart says it's going to be, it's going to get real shaking and will test a lot of people's faith and the weak will fall away. We all need to repent and truly stand firm in Jesus. Otherwise, and let me just quote Stuart's words, otherwise we're stuffed. Uh, any thoughts for any of those any of those comments at all, David? Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll just give you very brief ones because I think they're all valid comments. Um, I think uh, if we're talking about in Australia, it won't be so much persecution as discrimination, and I think that will increase. Yes. Um, I think when we're talking about the threat posed by China, we need to be very clear that it's the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party, which is a threat far more to it, to the Chinese people than it is to us. But, um, you know, and there are many, 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 I've come across many fine Chinese Christians here in Australia and elsewhere as well. So we pray for them. I think the great persecution, there will be persecution and there is persecution in China against Christians. Uh, I do think that there's a danger that the world is getting more authoritarian and then governments will become that and we need to seek to preserve our democracy as much as possible. So, yeah, there, there's so many valid points and things that have been raised. Let's take another call. Erica is on the line from the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hello, Erica. Welcome. Yes, thank you. What are I your thoughts, comment, Erica? Uh, this, this is nothing new. It's just a different direction. Now we're being threatened with what's happening at Davos, Davos, the New World Order, Prince Charles speaking out, and he's supposed to be our new king, 
whenever that happens, hopefully never. That's my opinion. <laughs> now, look, the church under pressure produces the best for the kingdom of the Lord. And as our speaker says, we need to look at all these things with the Lord's eyes, and then we will not be rattled by anything. And indeed, like Joseph in the Old Testament said, the Lord meant this for good, my brothers, and look at the good that's come of all this. We have a short time to get ready and grow the kingdom. Let's do it by ourselves speaking out the word of God, speaking it out, um, bathing ourselves in it, um, encouraging other Christians and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We could start at least by saying the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer every day. And so not look unto what man is doing, but yes, put on the full armor of God and praying against principalities, powers, dominions, rulers. Erica, you are speaking such great sense. A thought or two from David. Yeah, no, I, I would just say, uh, Amen, sister. You're quite right. Uh, I, 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 I actually do. I've learned that Tim Keller has a book on prayer, which basically uh, I found really, really helpful in praying the Lord's Prayer meaningfully, and I would, uh, I would agree completely with that. Erica, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Dorothy is in Wondai in Queensland. Hello, Dorothy. Welcome along. Oh, kia ora, kia Hello to you both. Okay. Now, um, I just... <laughs> coming out of 2020 I've, and coming into 21, for me, the beginning of 2020, doors were being shut. The world shut the doors. We were all put in houses, in our houses. Doors were being shut. But... God was opening doors at the same time. How it was time for us with the pandemic to talk about things. So doors were being opened, doors of conversation, which meant that the hearts of people were being opened. There was an opportunity to open doors, to tap in there. So coming into 21, for me, I'm stepping into an open door. Uh, what do I mean by that? I'm moving home. I'm moving home to New Zealand. It's been coming for the last two years, but now I'm moving. Why? There are doors open for me there. There are doors to the hearts of my grandchildren who need to know about the Lord. And while it's still daylight and I have time, I'm going home to share the gospel, the good news, and bring hope and be a light and be salt. Wonderful, wonderful sentiments. Dorothy, just wonderful to hear from you. And there are doors closing. Uh, there are other doors opening. David, your thoughts for Dorothy? Yeah, well, I, I wish you well going to New Zealand. I hope to come over to New Zealand sometime as well. My grandfather was a shepherd in New Zealand for a while. Um, I, I would say this, that, you know, in Revelation, we told Jesus says, behold, I've set before you an open door that no one can shut. And, you know, the, it, it's quite funny. We, we, we're we concerned about authoritarian governments and things like that. God will close doors, will, will allow doors to be closed, but he will also open new ones. So, Dorothy, you're quite right. And I personally talking about a new open door for you, and we wish you God's blessing as you head to New Zealand. Dorothy, thank you so much for your call. Let's uh, put a little bit of a line under some of those calls and a few remaining minutes coming here, David. Uh, the yeah. idea I mentioned in the introduction uh, a little while back, the idea that through this time that's happened in 2020, 
Some churches have in fact flourished and they've embraced uh, this new online environment and they've been able to straddle some of the barriers. Others, though, have suffered. And I wonder whether you've got a thought or two around the year ahead, uh, whether you're in church in a big capital city or in a nice, beautiful, remote country town, uh, where things might be so far as picking up pieces and, uh, and looking for the opportunities. Any thoughts here around the local church and issues around evangelism, those things that Christians are called to do? Yeah, I was speaking to a pastor um, of a large church here in Sydney, and he was expressing a concern that he thought that maybe up to a third of people uh, may have got out of the habit of going to church. And, um, uh, you know, that there are particular issues. So I think that we, we want a renewal of community. People talk about community online, but community is what takes place within our areas. And I think there's a tremendous, speaking of our previous caller, open doors. I think there are open doors for the church to be the church of, of Christ in our local community. But we also need help in doing what we've been doing today, trying to understand the issues of what's going on, trying to be able to put on the armor of God and so on. But it, it, it also comes back to something else that we were looking at. We have good news, and we have to communicate that good news. You know the story of the four men who were thrown out of the city out of Jerusalem during a siege, uh, and they uh, went to the Assyrian camp and said, we might as well go there, maybe they'll give us food, maybe they'll kill us, but we're going to die anyway. And they went and they discovered that the Assyrians had, had, had fled and all the, with all their equipment and all the food and everything, and there was famine in the city, and they were there, they were just in a feast. And then they said, well, wait, hang on a minute, this is not good. Back in the city, there are all these people who are starving. Let's go and tell them. And I think that's exactly the same, that we can say, no, we're not afraid. Uh, we have hope. We have Christ. Well, but this is not good. We should be sharing this with people. And I, I think that's got to be the priority for, for churches. Not evangelism in the sense of how do we get people into our church, but just simply how do we communicate the good news in a world of full of bad news. Interesting to pick up on this idea that there are some who have gotten out of the habit of going to church. And, uh, you know, I've had a connection to people who've not picked up the challenge once again of getting into that routine, feeling like they can really sustain their Christian faith by not going to church. Uh, they can still connect in some ways online because a lot of churches streaming their Sunday services. But this idea of meeting together, becoming a part of the body of Christ, functioning when we all play our own role and we all have different roles to play. Any thoughts here for those who might be sort of on the outer, feeling comfortable, loving a sleep in on a Sunday, uh, thinking that maybe church is not quite so important because I feel good not going. Any thoughts there, David? Yeah, repent. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would say, look, look, I, let me put it this way. Imagine if you said to your wife, uh, by the way, let's say you've been forced to be separated for a while, uh, and you said, and you were keeping in, line, in, in touch on the phone, and then you said, "Do you know this? This is working really well for me. So why don't we just, you know, live completely separate? Why don't we just have uh, a, a, an online marriage? Why don't we have, you know, an online relationship? Look, online is really helpful as a means of communication and a, and, and a, and a way to share." But God made us. We're back to what is a human being. Human beings are physical beings. Take, for example, the masks that we wear. 
a huge, the, the greatest number of muscles in our face is, in, uh, sorry, in our body is on our face and our smiling. We express ourselves through what people see. And if we were to go around, you know, masks are necessary for a short period, but if for the rest of our days we all had to wear masks, it would be awful. Humanity would be really demeaned. And I think Christianity is demeaned when Christians go, oh, I quite like this. I can be dead lazy with this because that's what it boils down to. I'm saying, no, no, you have to go uh, online. You can click in and out. You can choose who you want to be. You can just say, I've had enough of this. I'm going to another service. Or you go on your phone with something else. Whereas when you're with the people of God, yeah, sometimes you have to sit beside people you don't like. Sometimes you get, you know, I mean, but that's the wonderful aspect and we're there to help one another. So I, I think... The, the church will need to continue to use online effectively. I'm not opposed to that at all. I do it all the time myself. But I think it's still, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. It's now become the habit of some. I think Paul, obviously, well, whoever wrote Hebrews was way ahead of the, t- the time in that. So, yeah, I think there's going to be, a, 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 in 2021, we need a radical recommitment to Christ and to his church and to the community of the church and to reaching out in evangelism. Something happens special when we are face to face and oftentimes we can't get over this idea that uh, I go along to benefit in something for me from eyeballing others face to face but uh, that neglects the other dimension there is what others receive when they get to look at me face to face, look me in the eye, ask me a personal question and uh, so powerful things about gathering together, being part of the full body of Christ, uh, functioning together and uh, making things work. And and in that sense, if you're part of the body of Christ, uh, functioning together, you'll be fulfilling something very important in what God has called us to do. We've run out of time, uh, David. I wonder whether uh, you, know, you write a lot, uh, you're blogging, and your blog yeah. site is called theweflee.com. Yep. Um, what yep. have you been writing about just, just quickly uh, lately? Uh, big issues, I mean, some of those, no doubt, we've been talking about today. Uh, what will people find if they go to the We Flee website? Uh, yeah, um, so b- big issues ones at the moment have been, of course, President Biden and uh, him coming into power. Big tech and their censorship, that, that's that's a big issue for me. Um, sadly, a case of uh, Christian leader falling away, we've been looking at what that teaches us. And then um, one thing I'm, that my heart is really in, what I've been talking about, I've just been writing about how, uh, how we evangelize, how we bring the good news in a world which desperately needs it. So there's loads of stuff. Um, I do a, a kind of podcast where we look at news from a Christian perspective, and I do a lot of music and cultural stuff as well. So there's there's plenty there. Usually I find that what people say is, oh, I read the We Flee, but I don't agree with everything you say. And I just say, well, I write the We Flee, and I don't agree with everything I say. So don't worry about it. <laughs> That's good. So theweflee.com, and I mentioned the third space, project of City Bible Forum. You're based in Sydney, but there are City Bible Forum centres in capital cities all around Australia. Citybibleforum.org is the website there, and uh, there's lots of events that will be coming up, things that you can participate in, things that will grow your faith and will encourage you to be uh, a person who engages with your wider community, citybibleforum.org. There's also the Third Space website, thirdspace.org.au. David Robertson is director of the Third Space project of City Bible Forum. David, great uh, insights once again. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. 
Great, great to be with you and great to have the callers as well. God bless you all. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.